0: First Chronicles, chapter 21. Every now and then in the Bible, you have um, a story that's told twice. And we're about to read a story that we read before in 2 Samuel, chapter 24. And this is the story of David taking a census. In the New Testament, the best examples of these are the gospel accounts, where you've got the story of Jesus told several times, four times in fact, There are differences in the telling. And um, some people think that, oh, those differences, it's because um, the facts are wrong, and it's discrepancy, and they think that it proves the story didn't happen. But no, often what happens is when you've got multiple tellings of the story, this is strength. This is evidence that this really happened. It's a a strength of the account. So you know, if something happened on the corner of a street, and there were 12 people that saw it, and you get 12 different stories, that proves it really happened, because you know, 12 different stories of it. It doesn't mean that because their versions were slightly different, that, oh, throw the whole thing out, it must never have happened. And so that's, this is what people do. They say, oh, there's these diff- apparent differences in the Gospel account, throw the whole thing out. Uh, and uh, those apparent differences turn out to be very, very handy because there's there's lots of good reasons why those differences are important. And uh, we're going to talk a lot more about the Gospels when we get to the New Testament in like a year and a half's time from now. But here we've got this story, the census. So David takes a census in Israel. We read about it in 2 Samuel 24, and now we're reading about it again, and it's told by a different person. It's told hundreds of years later, and it's told with what seems to be some discrepancies. Now, when I was doing the second Samuel 24 chapter, I mentioned that there were some discrepancies and I just gave some thoughts as to why they could be. And my thoughts were pretty good thoughts at the time, but I've since come, uh, you know, someone commented on that chapter, Isaac. His name was Isaac Marshmallow. And he's studied the whole issue of these discrepancies in detail. And his research into it was so detailed, I do not have time to replicate it all here. Except to mention that you can go back to that video and read the comments or you can go to hermeneutics.stackexchange.com and you can look for Isaac Marshmallow's explanation on David's Census of Israel and you can read his full explanation there. What we're going to do is read now this chapter and then we're going to point out what a couple of those differences were and just very gently or quickly, concisely, let's say, explain the reasons for those differences. Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to take a census of Israel. David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go count Israel from, Dan, from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring me the word that I may know how many there are. Joab said, May Yahweh make his people a hundred times as many as they are, but my lord the king, aren't they all my lord's servants? Why does my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of guilt to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel, then came to Jerusalem. Joab gave up the sum of the census of the people to Israel. All those of Israel were 1,100,000 men who drew a sword, and in Judah, 470,000 men who drew a sword. But he didn't count Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. God was displeased with this thing, therefore he struck Israel. David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing, but now put away, I beg, the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Yahweh spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David, saying, Yahweh says, I offer you three things. Choose one of them that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Yahweh says, take your choice, either three years of famine or three months to be consumed before your foes while the sword of your enemy overtakes you or else three days the sword of Yahweh, even pestilence in the land and Yahweh's angel destroying throughout all the borders of Israel. Now therefore consider what answer I shall return to him who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in distress, let me fall I pray, into Yahweh's hand, for his mercies are great. Don't let me fall into the hand of man. So Yahweh sent a pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. As he was about to destroy it, Yahweh saw, and he relented of the disaster, and said to the destroying angel, It is enough. Now withdraw your hand. Yahweh's angel was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. David lifted up his eyes and saw Yahweh's angel standing between earth and the sky having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. David said to God, Isn't it I who commanded the people to be counted? It is even I who have sinned and done very wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Yahweh my God, be against me and against my father's house, but not against your people, that they should be plagued. Then Yahweh's angel commanded Gad to tell David that David should go up and raise an altar to Yahweh on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spoke in Yahweh's name. Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. As David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out on the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, "Give me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar to Yahweh on it. You shall sell it to me for the full price that the plague may be stopped from afflicting the people." Ornan said to David, "Take it for yourself and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Behold, I give the oxen for burnt offerings." and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meal offering, I give it all. King David said to Ornan, No, but I will most certainly buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is yours for Yahweh, nor offer a burnt offering that costs me nothing. So David gave to Ornan six hundred shekels of gold by weight for the place. David built an altar for Yahweh there, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and called on Yahweh and he answered him from the sky by fire on the altar of burnt offering. Then Yahweh commanded the angel, and he put his sword back into its sheath. At that time, when David saw that Yahweh had answered him in the threshing floor of Ordner and the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For Yahweh's tabernacle, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering were at that time in the high place at Gibeon, but David couldn't go before it to inquire of God for he was afraid because of the sword of Yahweh's angel. So, this is a, 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 probably a far more interesting chapter than you realise. Um, I want to start by saying a few things. First of all, it, it refers to a man in this chapter called Ornan the Jebusite. In the Samuel account, it was Aruna the Jebusite. It's the same guy. It's just, it's just sometimes people have two different names. In our Western culture, sometimes we have names. We have middle names. We sometimes get called by nicknames. Sometimes our parents call us one name, but then call us by a different name. Like you might be Elizabeth, but called Beth. Like that, for example. There's lots of reasons why um, sometimes people have two names. Sometimes it's different when it's translated into English. Sometimes translators translate it different ways. Sometimes one version has it this way, and then another version of the Bible has it that way. So don't be put off by that. <laughs> it's not that hard to overcome that little difference in the name so uh, we've got a a story here of a census and um, there's some discrepancies in the numbers of the people counted compared to the Samuel one and some discrepancies in the amount of money David spent compared to the Samuel one one thing that happens here though is at the end of this chapter David buys off this Ornan or the Oruna, the Jebusite his land now if you were paying attention, when we were going through 2 um, Kings, when we got to King Ahab, he wanted to buy the land of Naboth the Jezreelite, but Naboth refused and said, The Lord forbid that I should sell you my inheritance. But here, David buys the land of Aruna or Ornan the Jebusite, no issues. What's the difference? Because you know, for Naboth. He wasn't allowed to sell the land to to King Ahab, and Ahab shouldn't have even asked. It was rude to have done so. Um, It was the Lord's will that that did not happen. And it even says back in the Old Testament that you shall not permanently sell your inheritance, but you could sell it for, like you could lease it basically until the year of Jubilee in which time it would come back to your family. What happens here is David buys a block of land off Ornan the Jebusite permanently. So, how can he do that? (laughs) Well, it's really simple. This guy's a Jebusite. He's not one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So, when David moved into the city of Jerusalem, which was also called Jabus, you know, so the Jebusites lived in Jerusalem. We've got a guy here who's still living in Jerusalem. He's one of the family of the Jebusites. Originally, they were in Jerusalem all along. When David moves to Jerusalem, this guy's still there. So, he's living peaceably but he's from the old group of people that were there from before. He still got his land. So when David buys the land off him, it's a legitimate way of acquiring land for Jerusalem. And the block of land that he bought, the threshing floor, is the exact place where a long, long, long time earlier, Abraham sacrificed, well, he almost sacrificed his son Isaac, he sacrificed a, you know, a, a ram in the thicket on, in his place, and it's the place where the temple ends up being built. So what we've got here is a story where there's a plague going through Israel, but there's a sacrifice on this exact spot, and it brings an end to the plague. And this is a picture of Jesus Christ. Because you've got a plague, the plague of sin devastating the world, but you've got a sacrifice that takes place on a block on, on the exact same spot where a, Abraham, you know, the picture of Abraham and Isaac offering up his son, it's on that exact same place. And it's on the same place where the temple is built. So all of this is a big picture of Jesus Christ. Now, after the sacrifice of Christ, the plague of sin was brought to a stop. Now, sin can still be in any individual person. But if you or I go to Christ, the plague in us is curbed. Thank God. So this chapter, the whole thing is a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ. And... um, david isn't doing anything illegal here by buying this land he's completely able to do that because he's not buying it off an israelite he's buying it off a foreigner so no problems there but down to the discrepancies now i suggest you read isaac's article for a in detailed consideration of it all but very basically david wants Joab to go out and give a census of israel they took censuses in the old testament quite a few times in the book of Numbers, twice, but they only ever counted the fighting men aged 20 years and up. What David wants to do here is count all the men. And it said in the book of, is it Leviticus, it said that they were not to count all the men. They were only to count the men from 20 and up. So what, the reason why it's wrong here is David's trying to find out how great, how great is his nation. And, um, that's why Joab said, you know, may the Lord bless, bless all Israel a hundred times over, but why do you want to do this? <laughs> in other words, may there be a lot of people because God's blessing them, but really, you know, we're not supposed to do this. It was okay for him to know how many were in the army, but he's now going one step further than that. And uh, so he's doing something that's wrong. When Joab comes back, he reports 1.3 million in all, uh, so 1.1 million in all Israel here, but in the Second um, Samuel 24 account, it reports 1.3 million for all Israel. And, in, and for Judah, there's a different number. The difference here for all Israel is 200,000 people difference. And as Isaac points out in his article, the difference is that the, the people who are aged under 20 are the ones that make up this difference. So it's something very simple as that. It's, it's simply that in this account, once they realize that they've done the wrong thing, they now only present the number that doesn't include the under-20s. And later on in the book of Chronicles, we will read that David didn't count the under-20s because the Lord was displeased. So he comes back with a full number, but then he discounts the under-20s, and we end up with a number of 1.1 million here. But in Second Samuel 24, we find out that really, there was 1.3 in all Israel, including all the under-20s. Males, that is. So, <laughs> David was, being, he was doing the wrong thing. And um, another interesting numerical and apparent discrepancy is to do with the price that was paid. In uh, the Second Samuel account, it says that David paid 600 shekels to Arun of the Jebusite, and here it says he paid 50 shekels. So there's a, a different amount. But when you read the two accounts closely, it says here he paid 50 shekels for the cattle, but in 2 Samuel 24 it says he paid 600 shekels for the land. So he actually paid 650 In total, if you had those two figures, he bought the land and the cattle, he bought both, and he paid 650 shekels in total for them both. So there's actually no discrepancy at all, they're just reporting different pieces of information. And that's the reason why having multiple accounts is very useful, because it gives you perspective. So if we didn't have both accounts, we wouldn't know that David had actually paid 650. We wouldn't know he had bought both the land and the cattle. We wouldn't know Um, a bunch of other things, we wouldn't know the exact number of under-20s as well as the number of the total. Like There's a lot of things like this we just wouldn't know if we didn't have two accounts. So it's almost by having the second account that we come to a, a fullness of information. And this is something we find out with the Gospels later on. We're able to piece together a much more detailed and better perspective of Jesus Christ because there are four Gospels. Imagine if we only had one of them. It'd be great, but it's definitely better having four. So this type of thing here... Uh, these multiple accounts, it's, it's actually a good thing. And whenever you find a story in the Bible that's told more than once, there's probably a reason for it. And you need to go digging to see what was the reason. So Lord, we want to thank you that there are no discrepancies in the scripture. There's only things people think are discrepancies. And we're so grateful that you are the Lord of all, that you're the one that tells and you're the one that retells and you're the one that explains and you're the one that re-explains as needed. Lord, you're our teacher guide us and teach us and bring us into all truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.